0: Please turn with me this morning to uh, Psalm 95. Psalm 95. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. My friends, we're looking this morning uh, for a one-off study at this psalm. Uh, Psalm ninety-five, and my subject is the church's uh, witness uh, to the world. uh, Song—it's written, penned by uh, David, and it's a call uh, to God's people uh, to come, come to the Lord's house, come together to worship the Lord. Come with joy, come with thanksgiving, come with gladness, come with reverence—all these things are included in this particular psalm. But I want to look at it in particular as a witness, our coming together, friends, as believers every Lord's Day. Well, it's a witness to the unbelieving world that uh, there is a God, that He is to be worshipped, that His Word is precious, that we love to come because we want to serve Him. And it's a good thing to give thanks to the Lord. It's a good thing to live for the Lord. That's what we want to convey to the world. That's what in a, a subconscious kind of way we want to testify to the unbelieving world that God's people, are <laughs> not a miserable people, we're a happy people, we're a, a people who are joyful and glad in the things that we hold to, the things that we believe about our Lord, the things that we trust in, the Saviour that we trust in. Oh, friends, we want uh, to give, let them know that our joys are real and substantial and not something that is superficial and on the surface and here today and gone tomorrow and uncertain. We want them to know that the joy of knowing the Lord is the best thing that is, uh, is available in this uh, world. So it's a psalm uh, that calls uh, us to worship the Lord together with enthusiasm. And with incitement, not necessarily dancing up and down, in that we don't go for all that. Uh, We don't need that because our joy is an inner joy and it's expressed in words because He is a great God. That's the object of our joy. The Lord, Jesus Christ, our God, uh, the rock of our salvation. He is what we are thinking of when we come to worship and praise, when we come to the Lord's house. He is at the forefront of our minds, above everything else. We don't so much come, Lord help me, Lord minister to me, that's part of our coming. But also we want to come to praise him. Well, I'm jumping ahead of myself, uh, but it is an exciting uh, psalm. And it's a psalm uh, that really falls very nicely into two divisions. There's an invitation in verses 1 to 7, an invitation uh, to the ungodly with reasons, and there's an invitation in verses 7 to the end to verse 11 uh, with warnings. And we'll look at these, the first part mainly, and the second part uh, briefly. Well, people, as you know, gather all, for all sorts of events. Yesterday was the beginning of the start of another football season. The premiership started and if you were out on the streets, you would have uh, seen people, if you were anywhere near the stadiums, well, there were groups and thousands of people heading towards the stadium with great joy, with scarves, and some of them would be singing, at least before the match, they would be singing about these things. they would be full of joy and enthusiasm to, uh, to, uh, to go, you hear them singing perhaps on the tubes, well, if they team won after, they would be in the same sort of mood. If, if not, they would have been a bit depressed. But there's that excitement as they are going up uh, to the stadium. Some people get very excited when Apple releases new products. And will, there's a febrile sort of kind of excitement uh, upon them. And they get so, so nervous and excited and burst out and clapping all the way through. If you watch their events... Once or twice a year, I think they come out with new releases. So excited. Others, here's another crowd, and they're so excited because they're going to watch and listen to their favorite um, uh, rock band or pop pop band, and they're going to join in, they're going to sing along as they do. They're excited about these things, friends. Or oh, friends, these are the thrills that the people in the world have. We have something better. We have something which is far, far better Uh, than than what they have. And we want the unbelieving world to know that. We want them to see and to recognize that we have something which is much better so that they will be drawn in in this good way uh, to believe in the Lord and to serve Him too. Do you remember the words of Moses to Jethro, uh, his father-in-law? When they were on the way to the Promised Land, they were still in the wilderness at the time, and Moses said to him, we are journeying unto the place of which the Lord said, I will give it to I will give it you. Come thou with us, and we will do thee good. For the Lord had spoken concerning Israel. That's what we want the unbeliever to feel. Come with us. Where we are is good, and where we're going is even better. Oh, if you, if you will come. You know, friends, I'm sure you know this, but many an unbeliever, well, they feel sorry for us. They feel sorry for Christians. They pity us. They think, oh, you're such a deluded lot. Some of them think of us like that. They think, oh, your life as a believer is so miserable. You know, you have to go to church every week. And you have to hear dull and boring sermons every week. And so oh, how, can, how can you manage that? And they think it's such a, a chore to listen to Christ and to serve Christ. They think, oh, you must be of all men most miserable. Well, oh, how wrong they are, friends. How wrong they are, really. We are, of all men, in reality, the most happiest if we know Christ ourselves. Or at least we should be. At least we should be. Friends, perhaps the world thinks of us in this negative way because we've given them the impression that our, our to serve the Lord is a negative thing. It's a dull thing. It's a miserable thing. Perhaps we've given that impression to them by our negativity and glumness, or that ought not to be. This psalm, friends, is a call to serve him uh, and the Lord with gladness. Well, let's just look at it in a little bit more detail. Uh, The invitation, firstly, with reasons. Verse 1, seven reasons. Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord, let us make a joyful noise to the rock, of our salvation why should the unbelieving the unbeliever come to the lord because it is as we said already a joyful thing to know the lord it's a joyful thing to come to know him when we come together uh, the psalmist says let us sing unto the lord it's always a joyful thing to sing we sing when we are uh, happy but our praise friends let it be directed uh, to him, let our worship uh, be directed uh, to the Lord. Come, let us sing unto the Lord. When we come together, we must come prepared. We must come prepared to sing to him. He must be in our minds. Often you may say, Well, Pastor, my heart is cold. I don't feel like praising. What should I do? Well, we still come. Perhaps come a little bit earlier and prepare your hearts before you come. You know, sometimes, or maybe we say often our hearts are like these old cars, these old maybe vintage cars, but uh, I remember them from my days. And uh, if they didn't start, you tried to start it in the winter and they wouldn't start and they would go round and round and and then you had to pull out the choke. And when when you pulled out the choke, they gave it a little bit of extra oomph and that uh, got the car going. And then you're off, and you're on your way. And sometimes our hearts are like that. Our hearts are cold when we come. And you say, well, "How can I get myself into a, a better frame and a better way of worship?" Well, come early to the, a little bit earlier uh, to the meetings, and then use that time, friends, to think on the Lord. Use that time uh, to just think on His attributes for a few m- moments, and to think of uh, Christ. Perhaps you want to. Revolve a scripture verse around in your mind. Who is like unto thee, O Lord, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. And you can think about that particular verse or some attribute of God. And that will help you. So that when you you come for the first prayer and the first hymn, you're ready uh, to sing and to worship the Lord in this way. Oh, friends, the theme of this verse then is Joy. A joy, joy in the Lord. And there is so much, isn't it, for us as believers to give uh, thanks to the Lord for and to be joyful in our God for. There is joy that there is a way back to God, that, we are, that there is a way back to be reconciled with our Father, with God, our Father, that we are not left without salvation, without hope, without a way of peace in this world There is a way uh, uh, that has been made for us. There is joy that all our sins are forgiven. There is joy that Christ has paid the penalty for those sins. We joy that there is an atonement that He has made. That Christ has come all the way. The Son of God has come uh, from heaven down to this earth, taken a body upon Himself, and He went and suffered on Calvary's cross, Think of the the pain, the agony that he went through to make an atonement for our sins. And he did it. He did it. He finished that work. He accomplished the work of uh, redemption. He paid the price for our sins so that we could be forgiven, so that we who are sad in this world could be made joyful again. That, oh, now there is a way opened up for us through Christ, and I can be reconciled to God and received by God and accepted by Him. This should make us glad. This should make us leap for joy. Do you remember that man who was healed at the gate of the temple when his body was healed? What did he do? Well, he leapt, and he began to praise God. He leapt up, and he began to jump up and down and praise God. In our hearts, spiritually, when the Lord saves us and converts us and brings us back to us himself, that's a time, isn't it, for rejoicing? Maybe we did it when we, first, when we first came to the Lord. Well, friends, that's a joy that should continue with us uh, as we go on through life. Well, joy that, our, that we are accepted with God, joy that God hears our prayer, joy that our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that God knows our names, that God knows about us. Joy that we have such a saviour, and a friend in Christ who loves us and who loves us at all times and will never let us go. You know, we, we have to be so careful, isn't it, with one another. You have to be so careful even with your friends. You have to be so careful even with your spouses because you just say a wrong word, you say something uh, unkind or something, and they may get the hump, or you may, they may misunderstand you, and they get upset with you, and they won't speak to you, perhaps, for a long time. I hope it doesn't happen, in, not with spouses. But with friends, it's common. I'm not phoning, I'm not going to phone him anymore. What he said was so upsetting. Oh, well, friends, uh, the Lord doesn't treat us like that. We put a foot wrong. He loves us still. He like, doesn't change in his love. Oh, you cannot compare his love to a human love. His is so much better. He feels for us. We're going through particular things as his people. We're going through a sorrowful time. We're going through a trying time. He feels for us, friends. Oh, this is our saviour. Yes, he is at God's right hand, but he was tempted in all points, like as we are. And he's able to console us and comfort us because he knows what it's like. This is our saviour. Oh, do we make a joyful noise? We could go on. The whole message could be about... The, joy, the things that the Lord has done for us uh, that would make us uh, joyful. Let the world know that we are a happy people. Let them see this even in our coming together. But then verse 2, let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. Let the world see that we actually come to church. That's one thing. But secondly, that we come to church readily and willingly. That's what's implied in this word, let us come. In the Hebrew, it actually refers to coming with alacrity and with a readiness, making haste to come to the Lord's house. Did I come that way this morning? How did I come? In a readiness, with a willingness, with an alacrity? Oh, friends, let us come, uh, come to the Lord's house uh, uh, is the message here. And come with a spring in your step. Come uh, to meet uh, the Lord. Don't stay at home. Don't stay in in bed. Don't skip the meetings. Don't become an online worshipper. COVID has made many online worshippers these days. Don't become an online worshipper. Let the world see you physically coming to the Lord's house. And that's a big testimony. You know, they will notice these things. Your neighbours will notice You go into your house. We're quite sure that uh, people notice people coming in to this place. Let the world see that this is not something that we're dragging our feet into to come to God's house, but that we come in uh, willingly. This is something that we're delighted to do. No one is forcing us. There's no coercion. Our heart is in uh, these things. Uh, It says here, come before his presence with thanksgiving. That's it, friends. What's the motivation behind our coming? It's not because the pastor says to come. It's not because the Word of God says we should come. It's our duty to come. Yes, those things play part. But it's because we are grateful to God. And out of gratitude to Him for all that He has done for us, we want to come. We willingly come. No one forces a person to go and watch a football match. No one forces the believer to come into the Lord's house uh, to worship. Hymn. Oh, uh, we should so value, friends, uh, these, uh, these days. Friends, talking about willingness, this is how we serve the Lord, isn't it? This is what God wants from us. He doesn't want, just want us to do the right thing, but he wants love behind our actions. He wants love behind our obedience. He doesn't, he's not a God who just sits there waiting and say, make sure you do what is right. You may do that what is right, but if we do it with the wrong spirit, we do it without any love for him. Well, that won't be acceptable to him. That may be rejected by him. But well, friends, let love be the motivation, gratitude to God. Christ has come. Christ has died for me. I owe him my love. I owe him my life. I owe him my obedience. I owe him my service. I will do it joyfully, gladly, because of all he has done for me. So set aside the day. Set aside the Lord's Day, friends, as a day that is going to be every, every, every first day of the week is set aside for the Lord, for his worship, for his house. Other things take a secondary place. Other things are, uh, can, can wait. Other uh, family appointments, business appointments, if we can, we say let them wait. Let them take a secondary place. Parties, birthday parties, let them take a secondary place. The Lord's house, that comes first. That's my priority in life. Oh, friends, that's a testimony to the world. Oh, you don't, sorry, I cannot join your party today. I'm, I'm going to church. Oh, that's a testimony to the world. Oh, friends, if we don't, if we find, if we give in uh, to, uh, to omitting the Lord's day, or if we find it a struggle to, to the, uh, get to the Lord's house, what kind of a testimony will that give to my unconverted children? Dad, Mom, why aren't you at church? going to church today? They will, say, they will ask or think these things of you. Your neighbors who saw you or your work colleagues may ask you that question. Oh, you didn't go to church on Sunday. What happened? Oh, friends, uh, let us uh, think about these things, not just ourselves, but the wider context even of us coming or not coming Uh, to the lord's house but this readiness to come should be behind uh, uh, the motivation of our coming uh, uh, to him but verse three uh, let for the lord is a great god and a great king above all gods let the world know let them know that we our god is a great god that he is uh, almighty that there's uh, no one who can be compared to him he is a great king above all gods this last thursday in our bible study uh, we were thinking about uh, the greatness of god and how he by his mighty power well he brought those children of israel uh, across the land, the red sea how he made a, a dry path for them to come through the the red sea and in fact yesterday we were at the seaside uh, group of folks here. And uh, the, the sea, imagine the sea was there right in front of us. Imagine the sea parting and uh, a dry land appearing for us to go on uh, to the other side. It's an amazing uh, thing that uh, the Lord did for his uh, people. And friends, the news of what God did at the Red Sea therefore, for the children of Israel, uh, without any internet or TV or radio, a station that news spread to the other nations far and wide. And they got to hear about these things. And they realized, oh, our gods are, are nothing in comparison to this God, the God of the people of Israel. Our gods are weak and powerless. What can they do? We've never heard of our gods helping the, the people in such a way as the God of Israel has helped his people and actually done some great and mighty things on their behalf. And they were trembled and they feared when they heard these things. But our friends, our God is great, great in power, great in wisdom, great in love, great in holiness, great in grace. He's a gracious God, great in pardoning, undeserving sinners. Great in loyalty to His people, faithfulness, great in pity and compassion. This is how he has revealed himself. Great, yes, in power and infinite in his being. Yet in his attributes, he is great in these ways. And he comes to condescend to make himself known to us. He is a great God in himself. And he does great and mighty things. The greatest of all is that plan of redemption he has put in place. A plan to save sinners uh, from Uh, their sins through Christ's death on Calvary's cross. That's the greatest thing of all. Oh, friends, this is our God. This is the God who we trust in. The unbeliever, well, he has his gods with a small g. He has, what are those gods? Well, in some, it's not necessarily statues or idols. Uh, Some ethnicities, they still have such things. They still bow down to uh, physical idol they st- still pray to them but in this country many people's gods is somewhat different many people's gods perhaps are material things perhaps their awards or their uh, su- the success in life or the financial prosperity or perhaps it's pop idols or sports idols that people bow down, down to or perhaps friends this is more closer to home self Self is the big idolatry for most people. So idolatry, that's what we were like before we came to Christ. Oh, we bowed down, uh, we prostrated ourselves before ourselves. We said of ourselves wonderful things, didn't we? Oh, we said to ourselves, you are God, you are my God. We said to ourselves, you have done great things, you have great power, you have great abilities. We praised ourselves. Oh, we said to ourselves, you're so wonderful. You said to ourselves, oh, you're so handsome, more handsome than other people, more beautiful than others. That's how we, this is the idol that we bow down to ourselves. But, oh, friends, when we come uh, to realize that uh, the, the true God, the living God, is the great God, then we come and humble ourselves uh, before Him. Let the worldling know, let the unbeliever know that there is no substance in those things that he bows down to. There is no depth in them. There is no no reality in those things that he holds as his God. He must come to the true God, the living God, the great God, and know real and substantial joys in him. The things that he holds on to are empty things. But then verse 4 let the world in it, uh, know that in the earth is his. Verse 4, in his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. Verse 5, the sea is his and he made it and his hands formed the dry land. All that is in this world belongs to Christ. It belongs to him. Deep places of the earth. The places where we can never reach those deep central places in the earth, but they're all known to him. The subterraneous things are in his hands. The strength of the hills, that speaks of the height of the hills, the depths and the height uh, belong to Christ. The sea is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. The dry land? That sounds like such a dry statement, isn't it? The dry land. So much, even in that dry land. If uh, ecologists and geologists, I'm sure they know uh, so much about the land, but there's so many things about the soil, even that is interesting, and so many uh, millions of creatures that uh, walk within and upon the dry land, and the uh, fertility, the fertileness of the land, and so many other things we could say. All these things are the work of Christ's hands, and all are in his hands. He made it all. Revelation chapter 10 and verse 2, uh, we have the angel of the Lord, which is actually Christ, uh, setting his right foot upon the sea and his left foot on the earth, which signifies that he is the possessor of all things, and, uh, in, and the sea and the earth and the skies. Friends, Christ possesses all things. Christ holds all things uh, in his hands. And he holds, we could say, all wisdom. You see the wisdom of God in these created things. And he holds all wisdom. He knows all about these things in an amazing way. He's able to comprehend about all that is in this world in his own f- infinite mind. And in the church is a place where we come to and through the preaching of the word of God, he is divulging is revealing His mind, He's revealing His wisdom to us. The church is a place for learning. The church is a place that we come to learn some of the deep things of God, some of the most important things that there are to learn in life about our souls and our need to be right with God and how we are to live our lives after we have come to know the Lord and how we are to govern ourselves and what the Lord has done for us and what the Lord has prepared for us and tremendous things that we cannot find in the world. You cannot find in a university. You cannot uh, 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 go, uh, go to a library and uh, find these things. They are in the Scriptures. And friends, the Lord uh, teaches us these things. What is worldly learning? Yes, it has its place. We do not decry or deride it. Uh, but there is, there is some good, of course, in learning about earthly subjects. But it doesn't, they don't teach us about the soul and our need for a right relationship with God and how I can come to know Him and be in that personal relationship with Him. But then verse 6, very quickly, uh, we read, O oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Oh, friends, we need to let the world know that we take God seriously that we treat the things of God uh, seriously, that we highly esteem Him and His name, that we will not mock His name, that we will not make mention of His name, take His name in vain, that we are reluctant, that we will not do these things. We will not abuse uh, His name. We will want the world to know that God is to be treated with great respect and with great honor, and we want to do that by our lives. So we're very careful how we are living our lives because we want to please Him. And the world will take notice of of even that, that He is great and we are small, that we walk before Him because of His greatness and we walk before Him in a humble way because really we are so small. Sin is not a trivial thing to us. Sin is something that we take seriously. We don't laugh at sinful things. We don't mock at sinful things because we know that offends our Savior, that offends our God, and so we would rather repent of those ways, and we take repentance and uh, faith in Him very uh, seriously. So there's alongside our joy, there's this good kind of serious, uh, uh, serious attitude to life as we live it and to our God. But then, verse seven. Uh, for he is our god and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand the great god deals with us with great tenderness as a shepherd deals with his sheep so he deals with us christ the good shepherd cares for all who belong to him he watches over them protects them and provides for our every need well, Very quickly, then let's just move on to the second part of this uh, psalm, which is the invitation with warning. And here, friends, uh, this must go alongside the joy that we proclaim. Today, if you will hear his voice, second part of verse 7, harden not your heart as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. That's a reference back to the time when Israel was traveling from Egypt to the promised land. And instead of being faithful to God and believing Him after all that He had done, they proved unfaithful and they proved unbelieved. They tempted the Lord repeatedly. They tested the Lord repeatedly. They refused to believe in Him repeatedly. And what happened as a result of that behavior? Did they enter the promised land? I look at the end of the, 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 the psalm. Unto whom I swear in my wrath, they should not enter into my rest. And previously, verse 10, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation and said it is a people that do err in their heart and they have not known my ways. They are, they, there were consequences to that, their behavior, consequences to refusing to listen to God. They didn't enter the promised land. They were cut off before it happened. friends we have to uh, tell the world uh, that there are consequences to rejecting the lord that everything is not going to be all right in the end if we don't believe in christ that if we just refuse him and just go on our own way if we close our ears to what he is saying to us and there are consequences that we must face just like these people couldn't enter the promised land so if we continue in unbelief, then we heaven will be close to us. Not everyone, friends, goes to heaven. God is good and kind and gracious, but uh, heaven is only for those who will trust in Christ. There is a hell to avoid. We have to tell them these things. There is a judgment uh, to come. There is a day of accountability. All this is an appendix, that invitation that goes out to come and believe in the Lord. Warning, of course, that we must give in a loving way, out of concern for people's souls. And uh, that's how we want to preach. That's why we say it's good to invite people to come to church. Because what you may not be able to do as an individual, and you may uh, get people's backs up by speaking in a direct way about these things. Well, the preacher can uh, bring these things out from the pulpit so that uh, those who come may hear and heed the warning. Preaching, friends, is ideal uh, for this. But preaching warning is also for believers. You read through the book of Hebrews, as we mentioned not long ago. You read through the book, and you see there's warning after warning after warning given to Christians, given to believers, because we also need that spur. We also need to be reminded. We also need to be corrected. We're not perfected yet. We also get it wrong. And we need uh, the warning and the correction and the reproof and the rebuke of Scripture, not of the preacher, but of the Scripture, the Word of God. So we want to receive it. They're all in place, friends, there to help us in a different sort of way. Well, friends, I conclude uh, with these things, but let us invite others uh, to come and to hear the gospel. Come and see. As this psalmist said, Oh, come. Oh, come. There's a longing in his heart, an urging in his heart to uh, people. Oh, come. Oh, there there may be an urging in our hearts, a real desire to invite our neighbors, our family, our unsaved friends. Oh, come. Come to the gospel service, 6.30 in the evenings. Come and hear the word of God. And maybe they will come. And they will be saved, and you'll be so glad, and so will we. And so will we praise our God. Oh, friends, may these things uh, be helpful to us. Let's close our final, with our final hymn, number 425, version 1. Come we that love the Lord, and let our joys be known. 425, version 1.